0: I was tired of Stanford we've been together too long like a worn out recording of a Jeff Jarrett song so while Vince lay there sleeping I read the Observer in bed and in the personal columns there was a bullet I read if you hate her Quran is And listening to Mike today. If you're not into Hogan, and you hate Bobby the Brain, if you like Booker T at midnight, and squashing cruises like grapes, then I got the job that you're looking for. Right to Ted and escape. Didn't think about my ratings. I don't even know what they mean. But me and my old ratings had fallen into that same old dull routine. So I wrote to The Observer, dedicated it to Ted. Though I'm no Lanny Poffo, I'll suck my in bed. Yes, I hate her, what Quran is. I fucking hate my 10A. I created Gangrel's brood and pushed Stefan Shane I gotta meet you by tomorrow noon to cut through Patterson's red tape at this place called the Gaddon, where I'll plan my escape so I waited with high hopes as Ted walked into place I knew that stash in an instant I knew the fat on his face. I said, Ted, this is kind of shady. He said, I want a coup. Then we laughed for a moment. And I said, I never knew that you ain't her, what Karan is. And that prick, Mike, today, you want to give me a promotion and then sell the company to Shane? Yeah, I'll push Booker T at midnight. And then I'll bury Dallas Page. I'm the rider you're looking for to make sure WCW dies. Cuz WCW must die.
1: North-South Connection Podcast Network. As fate would have it, it's time for episode eight. This is WCW Must Die. I am Johnny C. And we are here to talk about a significant night in the history of World Championship Wrestling. A night that not only introduces a new concept to the world of professional wrestling, but a concept that's often overlooked and forgotten uh, when spoken about the greatest one-night concepts in history. Uh, But I can't do it alone. There's no possible way. So from the It Was a Thing on TV podcast, making his return, it's Peter One, Greg Diener. Greg, how in the hell are you?
2: Oh, I'm doing fantastic tonight, Johnny.
1: Oh, man, that that warms my heart. And I know you're doing fantastic because I enlisted you specifically for this episode of WCW Thunder because I, I thought it might
2: appeal to you. Do you hate me? Do you want to maybe stab me in the throat? No. I mean, okay. so th- tonight we're going to learn about New York rules, which is weird to me because I've lived in New York all my life, and I've never heard of New York rules. Do
1: you think it might be something that's you know kept to the back alleys
2: of, of actual New York
1: City? Or, I-, I propose in a theory, have you really grown up in Toronto and was told it was New York City, much like a uh, seminal 90s classic uh, Friday the 13th Part 8, Jason Takes Manhattan? where they filmed Mm -hmm. it famously in Toronto, but said it was New York.
2: Oh, yes. Yeah, they did. Uh, No, as far as I know, I have American citizenship, so that's not the case. Although it could be like the time where uh, the the Road Warriors challenged Sting and Lex Luger to a Chicago street fight, but Lex Luger declined the offer because he was from a different part of Chicago and he never heard of a Chicago street fight.
1: Is that 96 WCW Luger? Yes. Good on him, man. As You know, It's on a bit of a hiatus, but here at North-South Connect, the North-South Connection Podcast Network, there is the Wrestling War Zone with JT and Chad. And, man, did they open up uh, my eyes as a Lex Luger novice. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because when I think Luger, I think of either, you know, which is just like, I don't, I'm sorry, you, like, I have nothing against patriotism, I guess, per se, but. United States-centric characters are just always dead in the water, I feel like. There's a level they can't cross.
2: Yeah, but you had to be there in the summer of 93.
1: Uh, you know, I was awfully close to the Palace of Auburn Hills, but uh, I-, I opted to decline uh, WWF's invitation at the time. But what I did not decline was an invitation to middle on down to the Mid-South Coliseum in Memphis, Tennessee on May 3rd in the year 2000. I chose with you as my partner to assemble. And so did the Millionaires Club. Oh we yes. Open, yes, we open up in the garage and holy shit, I thought there was going to be a giant glowing portal behind them because these fuckers are here as one, united and assembled like they're the goddamn Avengers. It's the Millionaires Club. Yes. I feel like a, I feel like that was a mic tonight. It's the Millionaires Club. It's the Millionaires got, Club. Tony, why do you who, – who who's there? It's We got Sting, Canyon, Hulk Hogan, Terry Bollea, Luger Flair, Hugh Morris, DP, Horace Hogan, Brian Adams, Brian Clark, Kurt Henning. Some of these things are not like the other, but we don't know why they're assembled. But, Jesus,
2: I was hard from the get-go. How about you? Oh, uh, yeah. This was so great. I wonder who the Chadwick Bozeman in this scenario is going to be who steps out of the portal in this uh, – this group you know i don't think any of these
1: people contributed much to an entire facet of society that had been overlooked by hollywood maybe canyon um yeah i I, I guess canyon would be you know i god i wish i feel like i say this every time man Canyon was just 10 years too early um and that's it's not right it's not it's that's an awful thing that he was 10 years too early but i just feel like 10 years later it would have been a different different environment But, uh, you know, he's at least he's there. I've always said this. At least he's getting the rub. So they cut to the announcers, though. And Tony Schiavone has on a gold chain. Did you see this? Wait, he's got a gold. Oh, my God, yes, he does have a gold chain on. Yeah, what the hell is it? It's like he looks, it's not quite Flavor Flav-esque, but it's like, I always thought that Tony Shavani like gold chain earring shit was like a gimmick. I don't think it is. I think Tony's kind of maybe Tony knows about New York rules more than
2: you or I. Maybe he grew up on the mean streets. Or maybe or maybe Lois Shavani knows some good uh, jewelry dealers in Atlanta. Who knows?
1: Fans, it's 24 carats and it's beautiful. It's thanks to Lois. It's my necklace. They say that the Millionaires Club and their allies are here tonight. Now, Greg, I want—I didn't quite do as extreme as I did last time, but the amount of times that people refer to their allies is ridiculously beating into the ground that some of these guys are just not on the level as the Millionaires Club. Now, would you—would you rather be a Millionaires Club ally or an enemy? Because I don't want to be Horace Hogan.
2: I'd rather be an ally of the Millionaire's Club. I mean, come on. You're surrounded by Hogan, Blair, Nash. I mean, you're surrounded by all the cool people. I
1: agree, but I also feel like I'm probably stuck with the tab at the end of the night, brother. Oh, brother. You know, you just you get used to it after a while, brother. Hey, Johnny C. Uh, got a bottle of Pinot. Gonna need you to pick up. Got some Chardonnay, some Merlot. This is Kevin Nash, wine expert. Oh, I love those guys so much. They stuck me with the bill again. So the uh, announcers are, are are basically trying to set the scene, and you could tell that this was recorded out of sequence because the audience is like on the last leg. This might even have been after the show, for God's sake, or so during some sort of dark match. I, I don't know, but they're just this is clearly not a crowd who just watched a wrestling television program start, uh, or at least a taping. So we do cut back though, and and Horace Hogan. Doesn't quite yell assemble, but he says they're here or something like that. And there is a black
2: limo arriving. Yeah. And the limo and driver just goes up to the garage door and just goes knock, knock. He does. He
1: he says knock, knock. But what was even more off-putting, not off-putting in a bad way, but what really threw me through a loop was I thought this was Argyle from Die Hard. Have you seen Die Hard? Yes. Yes. And. I went on this massive, like, I paused it, and I'm thinking to myself, man, Argyle's got to be in the top 10 of, like, action movie side characters who randomly get in on the action, which I don't know who the rest are, but Argyle's on that list. And this dude was, he had some Argyle flavor to him. And I appreciated that because I like Argyle. But he does just knock on the door, and it opens up just a couple of inches, and fucking Sting turns into Plastic Man, and he just, like, limbo's under this garage door.
2: Yeah. And
1: they rush the limo and it turns into the world's largest grab fight because they pull like Russo, Bischoff and some of the lower tier like blood, new blood guys out of there. And like there's just too many of them. They can't. Not everybody has a dance partner. And if you watch this segment and look at Brian Adams the whole time, he never finds anyone to punch. And it's one of the best things I've ever seen. It's hilarious.
2: I know he's just trying to find someone, but no luck. But I have to say. The uh, baseball jersey that Lex Luger has on—I don't know what team that jersey is, but damn, that jersey is straight up fire.
1: I believe it's a FUBU jersey, if I'm not
2: mistaken. Oh, okay, that's even better. Lex
1: Luger makes an appearance later in the episode uh, during a massive battle, and uh, I believe he was rocking the FUBU. So uh, we'll have to—we'll have to see as the night proceeds. A- and you know, it's—they kind of take control, and, and it looks like honestly. They could call it a fucking storyline right here because these guys should just maul Bischoff and Russo to a bloody pulp. And that's the end of it. There's no reason for them to break away from this
2: fight, except that there's a commercial. And when we come back, the fight's over. Yeah, the fight's over. And then we get the moments ago with the uh, the fake scan lines that look like you're playing a Super Nintendo game on an HDTV with the scan line filter on. Hey man, they're like AEW. They're trying to make
1: it make it be a reason that the camera is backstage. But you're right. You're in the the it's it's this like hidden. It's not quite hidden cam footage, but it's supposed to kind of be like a lower resolution. And it's the the new blood um, green room, if you will. And all of the higher level new blood guys are there. Russo comes in swinging a bat, almost hits he hits a flower pot that almost hits Vampiro in the dick. Yeah, Vampiro's (laughs) like, what the hell? And uh, newly appointed domestic terrorist Tammy Sitch is like shrieking the whole time. She's like, oh, oh, oh. and I was just like, oh, this is kind of weird. And you know, they do this thing where Russo like rallies him up, and he's like, we gotta, we gotta fight back, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And they all get up. And I'm gonna give them credit here. There's this tracking shot of the entire faction walking from the back to the go position down to the ring, and it was a continuous take. I, they look kind of cool. Yeah. You'd be you would be remiss to think that um, you know these guys have been getting their, especially guys like Vampiro, have just been getting their asses handed to them week after week. I didn't. I don't know if you like. Do you if you recall the shot I'm talking about?
2: Yeah, I'm um, I'm watching it on Peacock right now. Yeah, I'm watching the shot right now.
1: Nice. You got to keep that Peacock stream flowing.
2: Yes. So
1: Russo does come out and. He calls out the Millionaire's Club and their friends. So now they're not allies, they're friends. Okay, can go with that. Uh, but I would hope they make a decision by the end of the night. The Millionaire's Club retorts by coming out to the stage. Flair grabs the mic and tonight lets us know that Flair is going to verbally represent the Millionaire's Club. And yeah, that's what the fucking microphone means. Russo tells him it's going to be gang warfare tonight. And this is the new concept the new concept of professional wrestling that often gets overlooked. There's, you know, the, it, there's things like Battle Bowl, which regardless of whether or not you enjoyed it, it's a, it's a concept that lasted throughout an entire show. There's like the King of the Ring, the Beat the Clock Challenge they do on Raw. No one ever talks about Boot Bowl, but tonight we get Boot Bowl because Vince Russo tells us he's taking off his boot, he's putting the names of all the maniacs club in there, and the new bloods going to pull them out one at a time. And guess what, brothers? Every match is New York rules, which means no rules, no ref, count your own pinfalls. So those are – that's boot bowl. I mean, before you watch this episode, in, in the dark circles of the internet, no one talks about this. No. And, and tonight, tonight, we are going to let everyone know that they've been missing out for the last – 22
2: years because boot bowl is legendary and it's happening tonight. Oh, it's an historic moment. Never before. Never again.
1: (laughs) That's right. Now, you know, I know Bruce Pritchard listens to the podcast. So here in a couple of weeks leading into WrestleMania, they'll have a boot bowl to establish a number one contender. And you and I won't get any of the residuals. No, that's okay, because we would have contributed to this great sport of ours. Yes, that's all that matters. That is right. Flair calls him a, calls Russo, pronouns, pal. He calls Russo a dipshit. Tanay says, that's the elite of the Mainers Club. And I think that AEW owes him some money. And, you know, I think Kevin Nash, Hulk Hogan, Sting, Lex Luger should enter into some sort of class action lawsuit against Tony Khan. And they can cut me in on it, but that's for another time, I suppose. And they accept the fight, the challenge. And uh, another fight breaks out. Tony Schiavone calls it a sea of fists and feet. I couldn't describe it better. It's just fucking meaty men masquerading as muscle bound I, You know what? Fuck the M's. It's just, it's pathetic. It's just punch, kick, punch, kick, go to commercial. I'm almost out of breath, but that was the whole opening segment, Greg. We got through it.
2: Oh, yeah. It was a terrific opening segment. Oh.
1: I was. I, It got me excited, though, for the possibility of of this no rules, no ref. Before we get into it, like, this is just the laziest. This is like George Lucas saying that Anakin Skywalker was just birthed by
2: the Force. This is just lazy writing, right? Yeah, you think it's lazy writing, but it actually turns out that this is a long master plan in this show. It is.
1: I would say that. Much like the Deadly Game tournament of Survivor Series, this may be Vince Russo's number two magnum opus. It doesn't overtake the Deadly Game, but Boot Bowl is—it's a—it's its a happening, as a dear friend of mine would say. It's a happening. Um, so it is time. We're back from commercial. It's Boot Bowl match one, Canyon. Oh, go, no, go, go no, I don't want to. I don't want to miss anything. What do we got? Did I miss what? something? Did we miss anything? I don't think. Well, God, can, who would fucking know? No, I think we're good. So just a <laughs> reminder to everyone out there, even though we're 20 minutes into this bad boy or whatever, Greg and I will be talking about what actually happened, according to the script and what we saw on television. But then we will talk about what actually happened that was entertaining. Yeah. Canyon defeats Jeff Jarrett with Kimberly via friendship. <laughs> Mortal Kombat style. Exactly. Right away, Tony Schiavone hypothesizes the drawing might be rigged as Jarrett came out and basically, and I think he got on the stick and was like, Canyon, come on down. And, you know, Kimberly actually gets on the microphone too. And Greg, I'm a pretty liberal guy. Like, Yes. And and I'm not saying this to get into a, but like when it comes to pretty much anything, I have never been more creeped out than when Kimberly was talking and one of the announcers, I don't know who because the closed captioning didn't pick it up purrs like a fucking cat i wanted to vomit which one of these three fuckers
2: is purring for kimberly uh let me let me try to turn it on real quick hold on it's just it's it's
1: i'm hoping it's not heenan because he's funnier than that you know what i mean like he's he as an announcer is better than like cat calling a quote-unquote attractive woman character in my opinion now this is late stage Bobby the Brain, so I guess I never know. And if it's today, I might have to cut the feed and vomit. So Shivani's our only hope. We know he's kind of uh, kind of a perv from his podcast. And you know Kimberly Page is no Medusa, but it could have been him. Yeah. So it's surprising to no one that the fight does start on the outside. These guys, man, they just—I don't know. Canyon does hit the sweet. Um, ready-to-rumble neckbreaker, the Jimmy King neckbreaker. Break, neck Are you familiar with this move? What was that? The Jimmy King neckbreaker. So oh, in yeah! The re- yes! In the ready-to-rumble movie, like, Jimmy King does this sweet neckbreaker that they film in, like, multiple shots, but that's like Canyon's thing, and he does it to Jarrett, and I was like, oh, this is a ready-to-rumble move, but that was
2: kind of the highlight. Um, oh, oh, hold on, I think I got the per real quick. Hold on a second. Oh, yes, yes! Hold on a second
1: that's my attempt to do it. Wow. That was that's like Sable.
2: I have no idea. I don't think I can hear who did it.
1: Well, I am in your defense, I am singing the Sable theme song in your ear. Okay. Well
2: it, I think it might have been I think it might be Bobby.
1: Oh, damn it. Couldn't you have just lied and said Tony? But I'm not so as much as I'm, you know, was against it, I'm not surprised. DDP's music hits out of nowhere, and all of a sudden, DDP's in the frame, arguing with Kimberly while there's a match happening, and Diamond Dallas Page straight up smashes a guitar over Kimberly. Yeah. Without provocation or – I mean, what the hell is going on with our heroes? He hits a stone-cold stunner on Jarrett because Jarrett drops down to his knees like it's a goddamn stunner, and Canyon – Counts his own three count. DDP, again, his friendship to Canyon. That's the whole thing. It's like three minutes long. I gave it two and a half counts of domestic battery.
2: I gave it a two and a half counts of domestic battery.
1: (laughs) Very good. So we are are clear that DDP should be locked up at some point this evening for his actions.
2: Oh, definitely. He should be in prison right now.
1: I just, you know, this this is the second time he smashed a... I mean, this is our eighth episode. So what's two divided by eight? What is that? That's, that's 25, 25%. Yeah, I knew that. That's I didn't ask you because I needed you to fill in for me because I couldn't think of it because I'm trying to host a podcast. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so a quarter of the fucking episodes involved DDP hitting his wife with a guitar. I That's them's, them's not good odds, man. I don't like it one bit. Yeah, but... To, you know, Boot Bowl stands at one to nothing. The MC and their allies are winning at this point. The wall is next. Do you think momentum's gonna shift towards the new blood? Oh, I hope so. It's the wall, brother. That's the wall, brother. It's boot Bowl. It's match two. It's Lex Luger defeating the wall oh. in a tables match via what I'm calling Rack Nanigans. I, I like a couple of things about this as the walls coming down the ring. They flash back to like his greatest hits of like table breaking. Oh yes. And it just reiterates that he hasn't successfully won a tables match since this podcast started. So No. There's also a pretty sweet Fago sign, which I'm not an ICP mark, but I do like Fago Root beer, so I'm going to allow it. And as Luger's making his entrance, and I, I don't like to dig into the weeds on everything, guys, but the, I, I cannot overlook this one. As Luger's coming down to the ring, Tony Schiavone says, and I quote, it's more than man on man tonight, it's group warfare. And I'm just like, wow, Tony Schiavone has a dirty, dirty mind. They do flash back to Nitro where Luger was getting maced. And I swear to God, the the dude that maces him looks just like the Samurai Cop. Have you seen Samurai Cop?
2: Um. <laughs> oh yeah, the movie Samurai Cop. Yeah, I know who you're talking. about. Is that that guy who kind of sort of looks like Rico? You're talking about? He kind of looks like Rico.
1: He kind of looks like Steve Carell in a wig, with muscles. Yeah. Uh, um. Yeah, dude, that's a great movie. If any if anybody if anybody else has given a match that's been on this podcast five stars like we have. I think you'll probably enjoy Samurai Cop, and you should you should take a look. But we also have dueling commentators. Who's here to guest commentate, Greg?
2: Gee, I wonder who's here to guest commentate. Oh, it's Vinny Rue. the Brooklyn Dodger, and Woo, the Nature Boy. Woo! This was this was
1: this this broke down into a a a verbal jousting between the two at, 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 and that was the only thing that was entertaining. Because this the match is just punch, kick, punch, kick, you know, gasp. ah That's Lex Luger selling. That's my best impression of it. Um, they do come around. The, like, when they're fighting around the table, the camera goes to them. Like, Russo and, and Flair kind of tussling at each other. Bobby Heaton is having none of this.
2: No, Bobby's like, I'm going to be leaving soon. So, it's like, I don't care.
1: Yeah. And he's, you know, famously the, the Brian Pillman incident where, you know, he's always worried about his neck. You can tell that Bobby is just fed up with this shit. He and he even he gets off the headset for the majority of the match, which unfortunately takes away Bobby and Flair from interacting. But Flair breaks into like a conniption fit. He's like, "Let Luger have his moment!" And I'm like, "Jesus, man! If this is fucking Lex Luger's moment, then he's got bigger problems." I don't know. Um, hmm. I did you see Van Hammer sitting at ringside? W- w- really? Oh, yeah, he is. What's Van Hammer doing there? And and you know what? I'll give him credit, man. Well, first of all, um, I I couldn't believe I was able to pick him out of a lineup, which is something he knows a little bit about, which we'll discuss later. But, I mean, I was impressed the announcers weren't like, hey, there's Van Hammer and Chavo Guerrero, because apparently Chavo is there, too. Like, they did a good job of, you know, kind of keeping him out of camera view. So I'm almost willing to give him a star for that. But then I kind of want to take it away because Flair keeps going, come on, package, come on, package, come on, package.
0: And and Jesus,
1: who's, who talks like that? Who calls him package? I don't know. The finishing sequence was, I thought, a thing of absolute comedic beauty. Oh, yeah. Do,
2: do, do you want to describe it for us? Oh, OK, so, OK, we're at the end of the match. Um... Luger and the wall are on the outside of the ring. Like Blair, I think is climbing for some reason on the, on the announcer table. I don't know why. And then Russo just hits Blair in the back. And then uh, Russo gives wall, the baseball bat and then up Luger puts him in the rack. And then Luger is hit by the baseball bat by Russo. And then his, Momentum, as he's falling down while he's holding the wall, propels the wall into the table,
1: giving Luger the win. A healthy dose of Racknanigans, if I'm not mistaken. (sighs) It was a thing of beauty watching this accidental victory occur. And because of that, I gave it three minutes of hell for Bobby the Brain Heenan. I can't believe they got three out of me from that finishing sequence and the comedy uh, selling and the nonsense on uh, commentary because it's a it's a thing of beauty just watching Luger crumble it's almost like if I didn't know it was scripted I would have sworn it was an accident and to me that is a fucking brilliant way to sort of you know draw the line between reality and fiction here yes what what about you
2: <laughs> I thought that this was an absolutely insane match insane banter by russo and flair which i love and just the we- just physics physics is what ended up costing the newborn in this match
1: that's right man they are down two to nothing did you did you happen to uh, um uh, uh put a star ranking on this or some uh, sort of other nonsense i i give it three and a half accidental torture acts into a table Wow, he got me beat on it, and I love it. Join the dark side. It's so much better over here. After the match, you know, Flair and Russo are chasing each other like fucking Tom and Jerry. It ends up with Miss Elizabeth low-blowing Russo in the ring, which, I don't know, I feel like Miss Elizabeth delivering a low blow is just kind of, I don't know, I don't like it, it. It's wrong. It is wrong. It's wrong, and it has nothing to do with, like, Shitty Vince Russo segments always end in somebody getting hit with a low blow. It's like, yeah. that's Liz, man. Don't yeah, do she's that
2: innocent. Don't, you know.
1: Dude, at um, uh, my wedding when I was dancing with my wife, do you know uh, the first dance song was?
2: Oh, was it the uh, Macho Man Liz Together song from SummerSlam 91?
1: Together, hola Oh, that's nice. It wasn't, but you know, for the purposes of sketch comedy, I'm going to pretend that it was. Eventually, Chronic comes out because Totally Buff comes to protect Vince, and of course, Chronic and Totally Buff are both tag teams, so they got to hate each other. The New Blood scamps off. Kidman comes down, cuts a promo letting Flair know that after this commercial break, he pulled his name out of the boot, and Ric Flair gives the craziest, batshit, insane, woo, <laughs> I've ever seen, and his face is all over the Titan Tron behind kidman it looked like fucking
2: horror <laughs> film and i loved it yes and i love how kidman says i'm gonna make you famous and somewhere undertaker is like hmm well i tell you what uh, billy kidman i could have
1: made him famous but he just didn't want to put in the work he's like that maven you know i do everything i can for the next generation of <laughs> wwe superstars and Nobody wants to put it in the hours, put it in the work. It's Millionaires Club and their allies too. New Blood Zero, Boot Bowl Match Three, Kidman versus Ric Flair ended in a no contest via some filthy, sexy interference. Mm-hmm. Um, the sound has been off on this entire episode of Thunder. Did, was that just me, or like, you know? Especially there was a really cool suplex. And like they clearly hit, and then you hear the it just it was off a little bit all night, and it was kind of bumming me out.
2: Yeah, there's like this one spot later on near the end of the show that I'll that we'll talk about when we get to it that I felt was out of sync. So absolutely, wasn't just you.
1: Flair's kind of working hard for Billy though, like, and I'm not like that's not part of my shtick. Like, I don't know, it looked like, um, look, this wasn't like a barn burner, and Flair's Flair. But he was doing the flare stuff for Kidman without, you know, putting up any sort of fight against it. Like, do you know what I mean when I say that? Yeah. Like he, oh, yeah. Okay, cool. He was and, trying to put the guy, Kid, over. Yeah. And I thought that was really nice to see. Um, What was not nice to see is I think TNA's Slim J was at ringside. This fucker looked just like him. Oh. Uh, you know, you see a Slim J from TNA? Yeah. I only know him from that episode where he, like, grabs his crotch and, like, flips off the turnbuckle and almost kills himself. I don't know. I enjoyed that part though. Ric Flair is in desperate, desperate need of a slim fit t shirt. Okay. Like, I know it's 2000, but he's out here in a t shirt and he looks, and and nothing against, you know, a mechanic. Okay. But he looks like he was working under a fucking car all night because it's all dirty and he's got shit all over his hands and he, and his, his, his arms like flap, his t shirt arms flap. Like, get yourself a cut slim fit t shirt. And accentuate the positives, Nate. Yeah. I mean, you're 50. Show off that bod. Dude, you know, if Ric Flair would have been like, I don't know, 45 or 50 in this like Instagram era, you think he's the king of like shirtless selfies on social media? Oh, I think he is. Oh, that's a nasty, nasty thing to think about. So I, I did promise some sexiness and some filthiness. So first comes the dirtiness, because the filthy animals or uh, Conan and Rey Mysterio to the uninitiated, though we are initiated, Greg, members of the League of Shadows. Uh, stop me or I'll keep doing that shit all night. And to counter this, Nate gets some protection from not his ally, but fellow club member, big sexy Kevin Nash. Oh, yes. Now, I, I will, I'm, I'm going to cover in great detail what Kevin Nash does to Conan. But before he gets his hands on him, Nash is moving a lot better than he was last week oh yeah so i'll give i'll give him credit for that so i, I know you're kind of like me you're 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 listening to some, some nerdy stuff and you know people out there know about variants i've talked about the running awesome bomb as a variant you know and, and a lot of people are talking about like oh you know it's a spider-man variant or dr strange variant a version of something that's not quite like the other but it's the same thing Tonight we saw the greatest jackknife variant in the history of our sport. It was the long-lost cigarette version. So
2: <laughs> Yeah! The cigarette where he just one Nash just kissed his two fingers like <sighs> He puts yeah, he puts Conan between his legs for the position. He fucking
1: he draws a puff and then he ashes this invisible cigarette on Conan's back and then he throws it on the ground and stomps it out with his foot. <laughs> and then delivers a jackknife right where the cigarette would have been dropped, hence burning Kidman's back or Kidman, Conan's back. At this point, everything breaks down when uh, Hulk Hogan uh, Terry Bollea comes out, uh, and and I gave this three and a half packs of Newport Menthols.
2: <laughs> I gave this three and three quarters packs of Newport Menthols. Hell yes. Because it was good when they were wrestling, and then the
1: silliness just, I'll tell you what, man, that it's the little things, right? It's the yes. little sun, it's a little thunder things. Because, excuse me, there was a lot of like, there's been some backstage stuff, like that opening Avengers Assemble armies running at each other segment was kind of long winded. But on Thunder, we get bad shit, ridiculous stuff in the arena, like in the ring. And it, it's so much easier to talk about. Yes. God bless you, WCW Thunder, for everything you've given me and us and the listening audience. I fucking love WCW Thunder. Um, a Mike Awesome comes out and gets a jackknife for his troubles. Yes, but he... al- but also Hogan and Nash do a double boot. To all... They do. They fucking get in a chorus line position, like it's the main event of WrestleMania One with Liberace, and they just boom, <laughs> boom. Boom, uh, SOS. You know, because we were boom dropping. I'm all over the place. Uh, this is, uh, you know, cocaine's a hell of a drug. Uh, I'm kidding, of course. But that doesn't a no contest. So it's our first ever and the actual only match in boot bowl history that ends in a no contest. So this is one for the trivia books, folks. If you find yourself on some sort of a, you know, crazy radio call-in show at 3 a.m. and they ask you about the boot bowl match that ended in no decision, Kidman and Flair is the one. Before we cut the commercial, we do cut to Vampiro in the back, banging his head against the wall. And, oh, wait, no, that's the whole thing.
2: Yeah, so basically it.
1: Like, I know that, you know, some people aren't the best people on the world, in the planet. And they're kind of take up space and what have you. But I'm starting to feel that Vampiro is the biggest waste of human flesh in the history of this planet. I cannot stand this sports entertainer. Can you?
2: really seen much of Vampiro, but it's like, I mean, the graveyard match that, that we talked about last episode, fantastic. It was amazing. It,
1: but yes, okay. no, I agree. we I think we were pretty high on that. I think somebody was at five. I was a four, I think. but the point being you're right. but it's like all the extra shit that he gets to do, like it's like you know, he gets to fight in a graveyard. He gets an unfair advantage in terms of, uh, really bad entertainment spectacles because of his character. But when he has a microphone in front of his face or when he is asked to perform, Oh like,
2: no, he, no, it's not. It should, yeah. should be like silent,
1: but you know, it, the, the, we have to move ever forward because it's boot bowl match Four, diamond Dallas page defeats vampiro via peekaboo. peek-a-boo. So, Diamond Dallas Page does his ring entrance and Vampiro's music starts to play and it's like which is irrelevant but my point is is that the music plays for a few seconds
2: and He's, he's hiding in a cloth.
1: Sting, who we don't know it's quite Sting yet, a figure walks out from the back carrying a black blanket in front of them as if if you can't see me, I'm not really here. And then he stands in the entrance, like where you start to pivot down to the ring. The lights go down as part of Vampiro's entrance, just seconds after this person with the blanket gets into position, there's darkness. The lights come back up for Vampiro's entrance and the blanket drops, it's Sting! Sting takes him over to the side of the ramp and dumps a mysterious red liquid on him. And I don't know if you caught this or not, but it looked like it didn't hurt Vampiro so much as it made him cold because he
2: starts shivering when it's dumped on him instead of being in pain. Yeah, this is the coldest red liquid ever that Sting must have found from the blood bank down in it, uh, Memphis. It, that, that's blood, Jerry. That's my blood. That's Seinfeld. I probably didn't get the quote right,
1: but I do love the episode where uh, Seinfeld gets all Kramer's blood in his body. Um, This the match itself doesn't go on much longer um sting takes vampiro to the ring and he's covered in red and and ddp grabs him and he's got his jeans on instead of his wrestling gear and he starts getting covered in red and it's kind of an interesting visual and he applies some sort of face cutting maneuver to vampiro i'm not quite sure what it's called counts his own one two three because there's no referees here tonight folks No. no referees count your own pin According to, I think it was Pro Wrestling Wiki, this match uh, lasted 47 seconds. Greg, I gave this match five invisibility cloaks. I gave this this four invisibility cloaks. This was an all-time classic. Again, on Thunder, this is the third five-star match in Thunder history, according to this little podcast that we do here. The invisibility cloak blanket alone would have gotten this five stars. But the fact that Vampiro again gets murdered in the center of the ring, looking like a little bitch, like, I just, ah, I love it. And this is Sting's second five-star match. So on your GWCW project list, I think this puts him in contention as number one. Because if you're having a five-star match, let alone two in the year 2000, you're doing something right. Oh, yes. And that... That puts the millionaires club and their allies up three to nothing. And we're trucking along, man, and things are falling apart. The next two segments are kind of really cool. Now, I know I just praised Thunder for being in the ring. And tell me if you kind of got this too, but this was pretty good storytelling. They cut to the New Blood green room or locker room, and it's kind of chaos. Everyone's at everybody's throat. But then we cut to the millionaires club and their allies, and they're just having a fucking time. Even Nash is back there, and it's like, they're actually finally painting a cohesive picture that these two factions like why they may and may not get along. And honestly, the visual of seeing the fucking Mayners Club, I mean, they're an all-star Avengers lineup. I know we joked about it
2: earlier, but this is heavy hitters. Oh yeah, this is like an all-star team, baby. For sure. And and Hugh Morris. <sighs> He's, just, like the one, he's like the one all-star that just had like one good half a season that somehow got voted onto the all-star team.
1: I feel like he's one of the guys from like the Cincinnati Reds who gets on because there has to be one from every team. I say that not knowing if the Cincinnati Reds are any good or not. It's just my local baseball team. So insert
2: local baseball team here.
1: Although I am going to get myself, I think a Cleveland guardians hat. Are they sticking with that? Is that, is that the thing?
2: Yeah, they're sticking with the name. I know, uh, my co-host Mike, who's a big uh, Guardians fan, like it's weird to call him the Guardians now, but he he got his first uh, piece of uh, Guardians memorabilia at the uh, team store at uh, Progressive Field a couple weeks ago.
1: Oh, that's cool. I mean, yeah, it's um, I I heard they they were maybe getting some like there was some sort of like roller derby yeah, the, team. Yeah, roller derby using? team
2: had the name too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they just bought that. Just just buy them out,
1: man. Just throw your Major League Baseball money around. There's plenty of it. I know. The, I know that there's money in baseball because uh, I saw the WrestleMania seven sketch where George Steinbrenner argues with the dude about uh, Paul replay. McGuire. What an idiot. Did he say what an idiot or what a butthead? What, what a, a what an idiot. What an idiot. Inconclusive, inconclusive, my eye. God, I am just grateful for having this forum to bring up the, the instant replay segment in WrestleMania seven, which is not on Peacock no i wanted it, to hear
2: it, i want to hear vince say whoa now gentlemen <laughs> <laughs> well this is the world wrestling federation is it a,
1: <laughs> i can't even uh you got more of it memorized than i do apparently and, what and, a some, great it's,
2: and somehow the pushwhackers mess up the tape
1: yes and i love that they whack in place wearing their nfl jerseys as they're watching the video like The way that their bodies are constructed, they have to whack in place in order to stay alive. Like, it's just, oh, it's great television. What an awesome segment. I wonder what holds that up. It can't be, like, royalties for those guys, right? No. I mean, no. No. I mean, you got to think they would probably made like a one time fee, if anything, even or just a write off. They donated to charity for Steinbrenner. Yeah, sure. Vince, give me twenty five thousand dollars. I'll throw it to the yeah, charity.
2: Yeah, Vince was, was a bit. I mean, um, George was a big wrestling fan. I know that because he would go to all the wrestling shows in Tampa. Oh, that's cool. I like that. Yeah, he's um, on uh, he's on one of the Nitros, I think, in ninety five from Tampa. He's on screen, actually, in one segment.
1: Oh, well, you sure it wasn't Larry David? I wish so at this point i think i already ran the score up it's it's three to nothing mainers club and their allies awesome comes down to the ring
2: and he's like oh my back oh yes and yeah unfortunately there's not a like a peter three to help his back out
1: (laughs) cracking that back but I, i yes it is kind of funny because it's he's very dramatic about it he's like sting i'm good oh like <laughs> but at the same time it, it plays into the match and the the storytelling and i'm I'm giving him credit man he continues to be awesome so it uh, he does he tells sting to get his batman ass down here and i feel like vince russo's got to be furious in the back like no i'm the batman i'm the goddamn batman bro so, you saying I'm the goddamn Batman makes me think you've read the seminal classic uh, All-Star Batman and Robin the Boy Wonder by Frank
2: Miller. Oh, yeah, it's so so amazingly bad.
1: I So, it is. It is amazingly interesting. I kind of like that. Ben Affleck's my favorite Batman. I like the idea that the Batman is an insane character who's constantly struggling with uh, his own sanity and i'm hoping this patents we're way off the rails way, way oh, off the rails oh folks. Pattinson,
2: i cannot wait for that oh i know
1: like I, he he said when he first took the role they're like you know what made you want to play a hero a superhero and he just kind of pauses and he's like i'm not playing a hero he's like this 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 man is not a hero and i'm like oh that's it that's the perfect interpretation like the 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 character believes he is but we as sane people realize he isn't so he's portraying him as if he's insane and it makes me so tickled and i just read it's like two hours and 58 minutes long and march 4th can't get here soon enough oh no I but wait. it's not it's not march 4th though it's it's well it's match five which kind of sounds like march but it's Boot bootball match five sting defeats mike awesome via ring the damn bell ring the damn bell I wonder aloud to myself um, if Sting might be a little drunk for this encounter. Because I heard he had his demons at this point. He just looks a little meandering. Well, he just
2: had a tombstone put on his head.
1: That is true. And, you know, Awesome does, you know, tell Sting to come from the roof or come from the back or the side or the front. It doesn't matter because, you know, Sting often appears out of nowhere. The announcers wonder aloud, like, where Sting is going to come from to help build some suspense before he comes out, and he just walks right down
2: the <laughs> Like He's like, whatever. I'm just going to walk to fight this match. As they're fighting
1: in the aisle and Sting is taking it to Awesome, Tony Giovanni says, and I quote, he's coming right straight down his throat. <laughs> woo They kick each other. They both go for, like, you know how Austin sets up the stunner with the little gut kick? Registered trademark, Johnny C. Incorporated, the LGK, the little gut (laughs) kick. You know, by the time Austin was, like, a longtime world champion, he stopped getting that foot all the way up to the gut and just kind of lifted up a few inches off the ground and was like, there's my kick, brother. Stunner. But they go to kick each other at the same time, and their feet connect, and it's like the fucking Matrix where they punch each other, and there's like a boom. And, and these guys tried desperately not to fall over, and they got a star for me just for that. It is at this point that the MIA, who has been, as we mentioned earlier, Van Hammer, uh, Lash LaRue, uh, host of Ruth's The Aggressive Podcast, which is every other Tuesday here at the North-South Connection Podcast Network, and Chavo Guerrero, and they just—again, no referees—they beat the shit out of Mike Awesome— And Van Hammer gets a couple of really stiff shots in, and it just confirms the fact that he probably never learned how to work. And the Scorpion Deathlock gets applied, and Awesome, to his credit as a performer, taps immediately, having been selling the back the whole time. And I appreciated that.
2: That's smart booking.
1: It is. And it was interesting, too, because Steam kind of healed it up, because they start playing his music, because there's no ref, right? But Awesome... And it's smart, too, because this is uh, no rules. Like, if this was a real sport, this match clearly wouldn't count on your record because there's no official referee. It's almost non-sanctioned. So let's just pretend this is real. Awesome has – he really has nothing to gain from this encounter, and so he taps instantly. Even if he wasn't hurt, it would make sense because, like, okay, fine, end this. We're done. Like, I don't need this. I'll take your ass out. of Lambert or whatever, you know? Yeah. Now – Thanks to the, uh, you know, I wasn't quite sure where to go on this because it wasn't that great, but it was Mike awesome. And I, I did a little research and it looks like there were two individuals that acted as witnesses on behalf of the state uh, when Van Hammer uh, did a hit and run as a drunk piece of shit. So I'm giving this two witnesses for the prosecution uh, as my star rating.
0: Uh,
2: I will go the same two witnesses. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just,
1: I don't know. And a night where
2: we get peekaboo,
1: this just doesn't cut the mustard brother, as Hulk Hogan Terry Bolea
2: would say. But are you keeping score, Greg? Do you know what the score is at this point? It is four to nothing with one no contest.
1: That's right. So, I mean, mathematically, I think the new blood is eliminated at this point. But we wouldn't know these things because, you know, they don't share that information with us. And especially the way Russo's acting, we wouldn't think it's a no-con... It's, you know, they're out of the running. Because he's in the back with Scotty Steiner. He's like, Scotty, come on, you gotta do this for the boys, man. You gotta do this for us. And he, like, puts do- his hands on his shoulders. And Steiner like- just says, don't touch me. He is positioning himself as an island to himself within the new blood, and I'm here for it.
2: Oh, yes. Would you,
1: would you, well, oh, are you... um? You know, at this point, are you kind of picking up that, I mean, I don't know, like, unfortunately, we, you and I kind of have this meta knowledge that Steiner's, you know, he's not a heavyweight championship true contender until way after all this shit is in the rear view. But God, I feel like it's a missed opportunity to not just bite the bullet and do it right now, huh?
2: Yeah, they should. I mean, come on. He's got two hot girls with him. That's world (laughs) champion material. He,
1: well, he has, yeah, I guess they're okay. I don't know. They're just very <sighs> fictional. It just doesn't do it for me, but that's fine. They're, I'm sure they're super nice ladies. Yeah. um So we kind of get to a sore spot next. Um, it's Boot bowl so that's not bad. It's match six. It's Hulk Hogan, Terry Bollea defeating Scott Steiner via escape from New York. Tony declares at the beginning of this match, Greg, that there's a new precedent in WCW and the titles are now secondary to raw human emotion. I want to pause for a moment and see how that sits with you. Would you call yourself like a traditional wrestling fan or are you totally okay with sports entertainment nonsense? I'm I'm
2: fine with both if there's like a right mix to it. Like I'm fine with like a little with goofiness and wrestling, um, because that's what I live for. But also, it's like your championships have to be important. There's got to be like a reason for to compete for these titles, or else what what is this all for? You're just watching a television show. I'm gonna completely
1: agree with you on this, surprisingly, because I feel like even if you're enjoying a stupid 22-minute sitcom or reading a, a really classic book or watching a really nice film or something like that, regardless of how entertained or how much fun you're having, at some point, if there's not something to draw you in that has like an emotional resonance or a, uh, a ticking clock or something that you're waiting to see if it will get resolved, i.e. the titles and championships, that's how we know who the main characters are. If you ignore that, eventually it's going to come back and bite you in the ass and the audience is going to tune out because there's no conception of who's on top. Like uh, a person who might be uninitiated to WCW at this point might think that because of how Tank Abbott is presented, he's a very important character. But you and I know he's not because he's not in the championship you know, picture. He's not handled that way. And it just makes it confusing for your audience. Keep those belts around the waist of your key performers put them in the spotlight because that tells your casual audience that something important is happening on your screen i don't want to speak for you but does that kind of sum up maybe how you feel too yeah all right i'm going to take it i'm going to run with it um scott steiner does make a bold claim that after the match him and his freaks are going to go visit linda hogan and i'm assuming much like some of the other boys in the back allegedly He's already been there.
2: Oh, yeah. But who knows? Maybe. Well, who knows what? Maybe Scott can play with three women. I don't know.
1: Do you think Scott Steiner kept Linda Hogan up uh, to her knee, up up to her eyeballs and Shoney's gift cards? Allegedly. I mean, he did (laughs) own that sweet ass Shoney's. He did own that Shoney's, yes. So... Around here, we have, like, Big Boy, um, which I don't know if you don't. If Big, I don't know if Big Boy's a national chain. If well, nothing Bob's Big Boy. Seen. I know that
2: from Austin Powers, well, yeah.
1: I was going to say, yeah, from Austin Powers. Shoney's, there's a Shoney's in uh, – I used to have to go to West Virginia all the time. And I ate at a Shoney's, and it looked like – I walked in, and I felt like I was in the restaurant in No Holds Barred when Rip is with uh, the chick that played the black scorpion on Showtime. Uh, what's name? Joan Severance. Joan Seferance, yes. Yes. And, uh, you know, it's the famous, uh, Rip and the Pies versus the Redneck Gang, or the Redneck, uh, Pantyhose Robbers, or whatever they are. But that's what Shoney's looks like. It looks like that restaurant. And I'm not going to attend that restaurant, so I'm going to avoid Shoney's unless it's a Scott Steiner Shoney's.
2: Now, now, I don't know. Now, Shoney's was featured in the 1988 Corey Haim-Corey Feldman Classic. License, to, license drive. to drive. That's oh, right. Yeah. That's one of my, me and my brother's favorite movies. License to drive. We watch that at least once a year.
1: Uh, you know who has not seen License to Drive is uh WWE Must Die co-host Ryan Gray. Oh, so, shame on you, Ryan. It's uh, shame on him indeed. He also also not seen Inception, which I am not letting go. And when he comes back from his vacation, I am going to make him watch it.
2: Hey, Ryan. We are in the middle. Hey, Ryan. License to drive, it has Uncle Phil from Fresh Prince in it, damn it. So you should watch um, that.
1: Alternate rep path to that sketch. You could have said it has Shredder in it, because Uncle Phil was a badass Shredder that in the is, Turtles cartoon. Yes. Now I know you get Peacock. That's one nice thing that all of us podcast hosts co- host Kevin Common. If I was like, Ryan, have you seen Inception? I know the answer is no. But if I'm like, hey, you got Peacock, I know the answer is yes. Have you been inundated
2: with trailers for the serious Fresh Prince of Bel-Air show? Because I think it looks kind of good. Uh, yeah, I've seen it. I haven't had a chance to watch it yet. But it just feels like so WTF, like a serious version of the Fresh Prince. Yeah, I am famously, because um,
1: everybody knows this, I am not a fan of Will Smith as an actor. I think he Will Smith's every character he's ever uh, been paid to portray uh so the the united states air force pilot in independence day shouldn't act like the ridiculous dc supervillain dead shot but for some reason they do um and that just doesn't work for me so to put a bow on this conversation this professional wrestling match was awful and will smith is not a good actor i think that's what i'm going to say i don't want to speak for you
2: well, I will say Idris Elba did a much better job in the Suicide Squad. That's all I'm going to say. Okay,
1: and I'm going to fucking yes, completely agree with you on that one. Um, the point of this match is that Hugh Morris is helping Hogan after the, they they fight for like 40 seconds. They go to the outside, shocker, and Hugh. This is basically a two on one. Like Hugh Morris and Hogan are like like they're beating him up the whole fucking time. And Steiner's, like, begging for help, and eventually he runs away. Hence my Escape from New York reference at the beginning. Um, Scott Steiner appears to have zero friends, so that's what I gave this match. Ah, oh, and I hate to do it. We had a five-star fucking classic, and now it's a dud, a zero. Oh, and it's a Hulk Hogan-Terry Bolea match, too. I just kind of want to cry. Uh,
2: I gave it a half-star just for <laughs> Shakira and Medesha.
1: And I think that's okay, I, totally, and I understand because it's all about entertainment. That's what these yes. stars represent. Um, it's five to nothing though at this point because that's that's a you know he he I think Hugh counts him out um, like literally like I don't know that he can count to ten but I think he kind of puts up all of his fingers and he's mm-hmm. like that's what's ten right? I don't <laughs> think he's uh,
2: legally allowed to do it, but whatever. It's well, he's not
1: licensed. Uh, he's not licensed in New York. I think Hugh Morris, if I'm not mistaken, uh, the last time I talked to him, he told me he was still licensed in Oregon, but not New York. So, him and Billy Jack Hayes, or Haynes, or whatever it is, I don't know.
2: Hey, it's Billy Jerk Haynes. That's right. That's Get it right, Monsoon.
1: Hercules and Billy Jerk Hayes are at WrestleMania 3. And WrestleMania 3 took place in 1987. And folks, if you have not listened to the series finale of the year that was featuring Aaron George that covers the number one pay-per-view year in WWF slash E history, I wholeheartedly recommend not only the entire series, but if you've done the whole series, getting to that last episode was so poetic and cathartic, I cannot say enough positive things about it. It's kind of the equivalent of like finally watching Avengers Endgame after you've seen the other 20 some odd movies. I really liked it a lot. So check it out. It's it's all on the North-South Connection Podcast Network now, every episode of that show. Um, Eric Bischoff's on the phone telling somebody they need to get to the arena as soon as possible. He's interrupted by Steiner, though, and Steiner's all over these fucking guys, like sweaty, snotty, drooling. Ugh. Gross. Ugh. <laughs> yeah, exactly. At this point, some limos come up in the back with license plates that say F-U-N-B, which we know is the catchphrase of Hulk Hogan and Terry Bolea. Tony Schiavone, however, ponders that this could be reinforcements for the new blood. And I will give Bobby the Brain and Mike Tenet credit. They are both kind of like, what? Because it's F-U-N-B. Tony hypothesizes it might stand for four uniting new bloods. And Bobby the Brain tells him, you think that's what it means, Tony? How many times a day does someone tell you to unite yourself? (laughs) And I was just really, really entertained. Tony Giovanni being a complete moron and the Brain totally giving it to him in retort. I don't rank announcer interactions, but this was pretty high up there for me.
2: This was great. The next
1: match on the agenda... Folks, it's Boot Bowl match seven. Get hyped. Let's go, as they say on YouTube. Every time I watch some YouTube video, I'm like, oh, I don't know, I'm bored. Maybe I'll listen to somebody talk about Peacemaker, and they're like, hey, we're here to talk about Peacemaker episode three. Let's go. And I'm like, I don't know. Like, let's go is a little I feel like I'm too old for Let's Go. Do you think I'm too old for Let's Go? Yeah. Okay. I think okay. too old. Let's go. <laughs> Do people think I'm sexy? I do. I think you're sexy, main jean. I do.
2: To quote Steve Rogers, I understood that reference.
1: <laughs> I understood that reference. It's Boopo match seven. Chronic defeats Totally Franchise via High Noon and Mega Mountain, which is just a silly name I gave the high time. I am a pretty frivolous note taker, okay? I do that because I don't want to miss anything. I have one note for this. And it says the franchise has a pretty cool reverse Kurt Henning neck flip.
2: That's it. That's it. Th- this was really bad, in um, my opinion. Oh, yeah. This is not, not really good at all.
1: It ends with Chronic, of course, counting their own pinfall because we've got no referees, Tony. Oh, well, that's a little too Scott Hudson. But Chronic takes the tag titles. The announcers wonder if they're now the tag team champions, and to me, I think if you're setting up your own matches and counting your own falls, you might as well make your own stipulations. It counts. Yeah, and we all know it counts. Know. Exactly, possession's nine tenths of the law, so I gave this nine tenths of a star.
2: I I gave this one star. There you go. <laughs> Not quite nine tenths of a star, but a full star.
1: Well, and that's okay, because you know I do recall that Brian Adams hits like an f5 type maneuver but he yeah. kind of looks it up so it's like an f2 maybe i don't know something like that at this point it is six to nothing folks boot bowl looks like it's been decided at this point Fucking pour the gatorade on i don't know who would be the coach of the millionaires club but i guess like
2: player would guess would be the coach
1: that's true. And, you know, his shirt's already fucking disgusting anyway, so he, he can afford to get the Gatorade dumped on him because that shirt's going to become a rag by the end of this night. Yeah. You know, if you've got that shirt you've held on to since you were in college. The sleeves have all fallen off and it's your favorite shirt and your significant other comes to you and says, hey, it's time. And you're yeah. like, no. Next thing you know, she's cleaning the toilet with it and I'm just dead on the inside.
2: Although if it was 2022 standards, I could say the coach could probably be Hugh Morris because he's got like a a Bruce Arians, Andy Reid type frame to him.
1: Yeah. And he does seem like a giant prick, which is usually required to be a coach. Um, So he has a bit of a Bill Belichick in him. Exactly. And I do think that he would probably be illicitly photographed with young ladies at a restaurant. So there's a little bit of Urban Meyer. And who else has been uh, you know, publicly scandalized as a coach? Huh, I don't know. John Madden. Uh, it's a real good coach here. I got this job coaching the Mainers Club. You see what we got right now? You know, fuck this. I don't do with John Madden person. I don't know goddamn thing about football. It's it's the end, though. The the limos are here. There's a giant bus that pulls up for the new blood. Or excuse me, for the Mainers Club. However, the new blood has a plan. They're oh. coming back to the arena, okay, and they're not only coming back to the ring itself, but they're all carrying a weapon. And what, in what has to be one of the greatest moments in Thunder history, they all have like pipes and hammers and shit. Ernest the Cat Miller has his own red shoe as his weapon. <laughs> a red shoe? What are you gonna do with that red shoe, Ernest? Dude, he's gonna, uh, he's gonna recognize and do some shoe nanigans to these guys. Dude, that shoe contains all the power of the feel It's the most dangerous weapon. I'm just, here's the thing. I'm being silly. But the—the the, that is such a, a moment where, like, a person who's just trying to be entertaining, like, it's just such a good move. Like, it's a way to stand out, for God's sakes. I mean, we're going to see a match later that where people get hit by hammers and are later in the corner laughing. And I'm not kidding. I'm not doing a Johnny C joke, but you got Ernest Miller, who all the guys are getting their props for the next segment. You know, maybe they go to hand him a pipe. I can see Ernest Miller being like, "I don't need one. I got my fucking shoe." And then that's it. He does. He just. He's. He knows how to get over. I'm sorry. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna stop saying how awesome Ernest the Cat Miller is
2: ever. Oh. So. He's Yaitola from The Wrestler.
1: He you know what? Fuck, that's a pretty good performance too. It is. It really is. It's it's subtle. It's like you definitely get the he does not really because yeah, obviously the the Mickey Rourke character isn't subtle. Like it's all the worst things that could happen to a human being, you know, all at once. But that Ernest the Cat's kind of like, I don't know, like his guy is kind of the his character's kind of the same, but you don't get the feeling that it's been as bad. Like, but you know, I don't think there's a conversation where they say that. It's just I'm a broken-down wrestler. Here I am. It's really nuanced, and I think I want to watch it again. I haven't seen it since, like, WrestleMania 25. Is that when it came out?
2: Uh, Around uh, 426, so... So, have you seen Eternals? Yes, I saw it in the theater recently, so I haven't gotten a chance to watch it on Disney Plus yet, but...
1: So, is Crow from the Eternals or Whiplash the worst MCU villain of all time? Um...
2: I don't, I I would have to go with Crow. At least Riplash, the scenes with Justin Hammer were pretty entertaining with the bird. <laughs> bird, every bird? I want the bird. Yeah, Justin Hammer, uh, Sam
1: Rockwell's just a fucking treasure.
2: Oh yeah, he's great in that uh, the one shot they did with um, Ben Kingsley, the, uh, the all little hail the king. Yes. Yeah, All Hail the King, yeah.
1: That's right, and it was really nice to see that, I like when those guys come back to do shit like that because it makes me feel like, even if it's not true that they're willing to go that extra mile because they realize the fandom appreciates it so much, you know?
2: Oh yeah. And
1: it's like, you know, Sam Rockwell, sure. I'll come to wherever you're filming this shit for a couple hours and do this thing. Cause it's fun. Like I have fun doing it. I'm not doing it. Cause I'm contractually obligated. Like I'm going to have some fun.
2: I just want to do this to have some fun for like two hours. And you yeah, know, what? I mean, and you know, I cannot wait when we have She-Hulk to see uh tim back as abomination
1: that is is he gonna be like Emil too like is he gonna be little tim roth from what (laughs) i understand
2: from what i understand i think it might be both oh that could
1: be cool yeah yeah i you know i was surprised when they uh welcome to the the marvelicious podcast folks (laughs) which i think is a real podcast i don't mean to steal your name uh podcast sorry i hear all this shit but my point is is that um I was surprised when they brought back uh, William Hurt because he was in the Universal Incredible Hulk, which is kind of like the stepchild of the MCU. So they continue yeah. to surprise me at every turn.
2: Yeah, well, he was hoping that they'll bring uh, Liv Tyler back. So,
1: well, you know, Liv Tyler might as well have been in our next segment because everybody else in the fucking company was. They the new blood brings their weapons and their shoe to the ring, and it's just. Bischoff saying like it's time for guerrilla warfare. We tried to fight fair. Well, okay, I like heels that are delusional, so I'll go with that. There's 11 of us. there's 11 of you over the top royal over the top battle royal. How about it? Bischoff does say how about it, which reminds me of Pete Rose, which makes me smile. And Flair as the mouthpiece for the Mainers Club says they will compete in the Battle royal as long as the winner gets a title shot at the Great American Bash. So here we are, Greg. Yes. We're all we're, this is the main event segment. And I know we're here early, but it's explainable because this is a 27-minute battle royal. Wow. Is there anything you'd like to talk about or plug while the audience is still captive before the main event? Then you know, tell us what are you up to these days?
2: What are you working on? Well, as always, I got it was a thing on TV, the it was a thing on TV Pies that you could hear every wednesday on the place to be nation pop experience where me and my co hosts mike and chico we watch at least two segments of obscure television and we talk about them on the show so you can listen if you want to hear us talk about let's say i don't know the Hulk Hogan's show Thunder in Paradise, we've talked about that. If you want to hear us talk about the 1983 NBC show Manimal, we've talked about that. If you want to hear us talk about an obscure game show like the other version of Double Dare that was made by Mark Goodson, Bill Tomin Productions, that was hosted by Alex Trebek back in 1976, we've covered that. You can go to our website, It was a itwasathingontv.com, over 230 episodes of the podcast there. And we're cranking them out at least twice a week for you guys. And let me just say, not to toot my own horn, but we just did a live show recently, Johnny, on the Nickelodeon coverage of the 2022 wildcard game between the Cowboys and the 49ers. And let me tell you, that was amazing to see Nickelodeon (laughs) cover an NFL game.
1: That seems like a lot of fun. It made me yearn for the days where uh, Fox had NHL games where the puck would like turn into a laser if you shot it fast enough and stuff like that. Like, and they, and they had the robots. reality. Oh yeah, man, for sure. Um, I'll tell you what though, I do like your podcast a lot. I, since you and I have been sort of working together a little bit, I've, I've, I've become acclimated to and tried to listen to some of the back catalog. And I love the concept. As anyone who's listened to me talk, as I'm sure can imagine I love shit like that. But. I don't think you guys – I used to watch this obscure TV show called Photon. You guys haven't done that, have you? Oh, yes, we have. In fact, that was our latest episode. Did it drop today? Yes. And then I went into a tweet storm at Save Martha Russo tweeting about – I could not believe that you guys fucking did Photon. Like, just listen to it, guys. It was a thing on TV. Google it. Put it in your Google machine. Put it in your Bing machine. Whatever. I don't care. Yeah. It's a great, great show yeah. and at worth your time.
2: At it was a thing on TV on Twitter and at it was a thing on TV podcasts on Facebook.
1: You're goddamn right. So the boot bowl is finished. It's time for the gang war battle royal, where Ric Flair defeats 41 other sports entertainers to become the number one contender for the championship at Great American Bash. When the bell rings, I checked the timestamp, and I was blown away, man. There's so much TV show left, and we've got a battle royal happening, which is the worst thing to watch ever. That being said, what did you think of the first segment? I don't know how you took your notes or anything like that, but until the ring gets a little bit more full, what did what stood out to you?
2: Well, it stood out to me. It's like, oh, my God, all these stars in the ring fighting it out for a chance to win a title shot, at the Great American Bash. And you know what was so great about this battle royal? It's like people could come in at any time during the battle royal. They might have been sitting in the back there thinking, you know what, we're going to wait until there's a good time to come into this battle royal. It's
1: crazy. The Gang War Battle Royal is a lost concept, like bootball. It's the rare battle royal where entrants can enter the ring at any time and you can eliminate individuals via the middle rope when the script calls for them to be eliminated and we're running out of time. The thing that really stood out to me is that when they get into the ring, when the bell rings immediately, all the new blood still have their weapons, right? Yeah. Mike Awesome hits Hugh Morris with a hammer seven times. I counted. I rewound it. And Hugh Morris doesn't instantly die. Telling me this pro wrestling thing might not be on the level. What? I'm just, yeah, I, I'm floored. I don't know about you. So eventually there's some punches and kicks and the first segment sort of comes to a conclusion because it's time for the new blood allies to finally join the fray. Fucking they're here. They've got their backup. You know, it's, it's fucking the Harris twins, the mama. Lukes, oh, yeah. The filthy animals. Conan's recovered from his fourth degree burns. Bam, bam, Bigelow. And then an interesting group of individuals come to the ring because, you know, it made sense that the Harris Blues would come down together, the Conan and Ray would come together. Next we get H2K, Harlem Heat 2000 with Ice Train
2: Yeah! And Norman Smiley. Now, (laughs) Norman Smiley just walks in and is like, hey, do you mind if I join you guys? And Stevie Ray and Big T and Ice Train, like, okay.
1: Can you think of any reason why they may have decided to have these four individuals come out as a cohesive unit when they're not a tag team on television? What do these guys have in common? What's what's what really stands out to you about these sports entertainers?
0: Mm-hmm. I just,
1: it, I mean, it's obvious that they probably didn't want to come down with the Harris twins. And for that, I mean, I'm always on their side for that.
2: Yes. Oh yeah. Screw them. But I, it just continue.
1: It just continues to show that, there's a little bit out of touch. Well, just I don't know. It's a weird business. And I don't, I'm not, I'm actually, I'm trying to make it more humorous. It's actually not funny if it were a real thing. I think these guys probably just came out at this point. It's irrelevant, but you know, I don't think it's as dark as I, I try to make it out to be, but still it definitely stands out like a sore thumb.
2: Yeah. Eventually but the, though. But the, we'll but the go, best no, part, the best part though, is after they come out, oh, my dream fight comes out for at least maybe about five seconds. Big T and Hulk trade punches with each other.
1: Dude, I thought I was in like another planet because Ahmed Johnson starts punching Hogan. And I was like, what the fuck is going on? Like, it was pretty crazy to see. Um, the crowd's chanting for Goldberg. And I think that. I don't blame them because they're setting this thing up where like random people keep entering. And it would be a kind of, even though it's a taped thunder, it would be a cool way to bring Goldberg back, but it's not happening. Tank Abbott does come out. And when he comes to the ring, Bam Bam tries to hit Abbott with a stick, right? I don't know if he caught this, but Tank no-sells it. And I'm not saying like he didn't realize he was supposed to be getting hit. He like looks at Bam Bam and he's like, Oh, so you hit me with that thing. Well, I don't, I'm not going to sell that for you because I'm fucking Tank Abbott. So he just walks right along. Bam Bam goes back and legitimately hits him with whatever was in his hand. And Tank crumbles like he's a fucking thing that (laughs) crumbles. (laughs) Yeah. And Bam Bam goes into the corner and turns around, not to laugh into the camera, but he turns around and he is laughing and the camera picks it up. And that starts a trend of guys getting caught on camera, just like, Fake punching each other and laughing. I caught Stasiak and Henning doing it. I caught Hogan laughing at one point. These guys are not selling this battle royal. If nothing else, they're out there just having themselves a little Tuesday night extravaganza that's going to happen to be on national TV. But I'm here for it because I'm starting to get
2: entertained. At first, I was bored, but it started to really pick up. Oh my or God. My- <laughs> What's up? I think Sting. Hold on a second. I got to rewind this because I'm watching this. One. So, I think Sting at one point takes Buff's hat and
1: wears. Yes. Yes. At one point, Sting, I, I don't know if it's Buff's hat or if it's one of the, like, Johnny the Bull's, like, bucket hat that we would wear in 2000. He puts a, He wears it while he's beating him up, and then he just kind of takes yeah. it off. It's yeah, glorious. It's, and the best is
2: Sting takes the hat. Buff is laughing his ass off. Over yes. <laughs>
1: I also caught Luger. Uh, At one point, Stasiak and Luger are just chatting in the corner, and uh, they start laughing. And Stasiak, like, gives a really wimpy, like, bad punch to Luger. And Luger goes, wow, like, sells it like it's fucking cancer eating him up. It's – I mean, like, the intensity is getting picked up. And while these guys are being lazy bums in the middle of the ring – they are really, really starting to hit me in the right spot. I'm starting to really get entertained by these shenanigans. And we're about two-thirds of the way through here, and
2: and something and, and insane God. <laughs>
1: happens. Oh, yes. Fucking Medusa, Medusa, Medusa and Asia come down to the ring. Yes! In the backdrop of this, Hulk Hogan and Tank Abbott are punching each other. This is a major thing this should have been something that was built up to that should have sold tickets and they're just randomly throwing shitty punches at each other this kind of pisses me off a little bit but at the same time it's such a big it's such a fucking waste i'm entertained a little bit more because i see i see the cracks start to form in the foundation of wcw and i start to see that it will indeed die this was a dangerous segment for wcw um the MIA come out. Mona comes out. We're up
2: to like 38 I, people now. Yeah, I could not believe that she was still here in May of 2000.
1: Yeah. Now, Mona, in case anybody isn't aware, because I almost had to look it up, but I recognize it's Molly Holly. And I think this was her break. She was like Miss Madness or something.
2: Yeah, Is she that... was. Yeah, she was rejoining this Miss Madness. Yeah.
1: Now, we get a pretty big entry in a second. Did you see Tank Abbott hitting Medusa with the pipe? Um, no. Dude, I swear he does. Like, there's a whole, like, not talked about, it's not in focus, like, in the background story of, like, Tank and the girls kind of fighting. Because you know Tank Abbott's not having any of this.
2: But I can't believe I'm in the ring. You
1: with these girls, show me your titties or get out of here. I'm a man. I mean, I, I I don't know that Tank Abbott behaves in such a manner.
2: But I'm going to Oh it. Oh, I'm watching it right now. Yeah, he's. He's having man on woman violence. So he's committing domestic violence, yes. I mean, and it's a pipe. It's not a
1: balsa wood guitar. No. So we have to, to, you know, this is, what he's doing is evil. We need more goodness. We need some goodness in this world. And who is pure and good? Who is a professional wrestler that we can always count on to do the right thing? As Bobby Heenan calls him, the human toilet plunger, hacksaw Jim Duggan is here. Oh, And he he straight up hits Tank and he eliminates Tank fucking Abbott. So Hacksaw Jim Duggan has just eliminated Tank Abbott in this, where Tank Abbott came to blows with uh, Hulk Hogan for the first time, assaulted some women, got his ass handed to by Bam Bam Bigelow. He's my sneaky... Gang War Battle Royal MVP. Yeah. Uh, we we didn't we didn't give our boot bowl MVPs, and I'm gonna move forward. But I think he's
2: my Gang War MVP. Oh, he definitely is. But one thing I want to mention is before when when Hacksaw is coming out to the wing, they cut to a shot of a the, the this one guy in the crowd. And I think I showed you a picture of it with like <laughs> his mouth, with his gold with a Goldberg T-shirt, and his mouth open, who kind of looks like Barry Kim. Kiogen in uh, Eternals, like what?
1: <laughs> oh my god! This this was a good. It was a good
2: fan find
1: for sure. Uh, that's God. I love shit like that, man. Uh, I love ridiculous fans of these things. Oh, uh, the, the camera. The, uh, they did this a couple
2: times. There were like five drunk girls in the crowd. Oh, yeah, there were five beautiful drunk girls in the crowd yeah. that the camera they, guy just wanted to kick shots of. There was, like this, one, there was like this one girl was holding a disposable camera who clearly did not want to be shown on camera at all.
1: Yeah, these ladies should have got a fucking Screen Actors Guild card for their appearances in this show. They're on it quite a bit. And it's they're very 2000 dressed as well. And uh, the lipstick is very 2002, too. And the disposable camera oh, god, you're bringing yeah. me you're bringing me the feels, Greg. Yeah. A disposable yeah. camera,
2: yeah. I bet, bet they they would have been probably most likely seen at an NSYNC concert in 2000 or something.
1: So in the year 2001, I attended an NSYNC concert. You got something to say about sync?
2: No, no, I I don't have anything bad to say about NSYNC.
1: Okay. Well, the tickets were a little too expensive and the seats were bad, but
2: oh. I had a good time. Hey, hey, Joey Fatone, the host of Common Knowledge on GSN, so. Boy, oh, boy, how the mighty have fallen. But
1: everybody's doing better than Chris Kirkpatrick, though.
2: I don't even know what oh. he's up to. Oh, who knows what Chris Kirkpatrick's doing? And frankly, who cares?
1: <laughs> who cares? The who cares? Uh, the Forever Uniting the New Blood
2: limo opens
1: up, and it's 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 a Boots. It's just a pair of Boots. It's Boots. And, and Greg, they actually, God love them, there's some decent directing here because they keep the camera on the Boots, and yes, it's not like a great moment in the history of directing, but they build a little suspense, but Tanay starts edging. He's like, spin up, pan up, show us who it is, show us who it is. It's really gross, and it makes me uncomfortable. But they, they do cut the commercial. They come back, and everybody's still going at it. And the Boots are slowly making their way to the go position as the Battle Royal hits its final stage. I did not tell you anything about the show. I don't no.
2: like to, you know. No. no, I want to be completely surprised. Did the owner of the Boots shock you? Uh, yes. Were you ready to see I- I was ready. I was ready to snap into it.
1: This man from my knowledge is always ready. It's Bonesaw McGraw himself, the goddamn macho man Randy Savage. And yes, it's the crazy late 99 inflated macho man with what up mach? Oh, yeah. But
2: But you know what? Everyone's
1: going nuts. Including myself. Like, a quick aside, man. God, I love Randy Savage so much. Like he's my he's gotta be one of my top three, period. And this is Randy Savage's last uh, WCW appearance. Um, I think he did a TNA shot, so but that would have been on pay-per-view. So this is like his last last shot on like, TV, yeah. Televised appearance. And I am I do I tell a lot of jokes here, man. I didn't like get emotional. But towards the end, they do a little Well, we'll get to it. I, I'll get there when we we'll cover it. So, so he's here, and like people are going crazy. And I got to admit, I'm really like hot for this battle royal at this point. Like, not in a way that like it's a, it's a, it's a good match, but man, they, if, they, if they had to have a 27 minute long battle royal, they did a good job of breaking it into segments. And aside from that first segment, it's been pretty good. Yeah. For for entertainment. I mean, yes. I don't want to speak for you, but are you entertained? Are you not entertained? Yes, I am entertained. Hell yes. So this is where the rules kind of start to get a little sticky, though, because um, in an interesting moment, Savage eliminates Chris Candido. And Savage goes to fucking Royal Rumble 92 himself. He goes to do the over-the-top rope-like thing that Savage does which would have eliminated him, which I think is probably what the script called for. But he hesitates and goes through the middle rope after Candido and kind of, you know, beats Candido like off camera. So they, and the reason I bring this up specifically is because right after they say we're down to the final four, which is Hogan, Kidman, Flair, and the franchise. But Savage is still in this thing, legally speaking. Yes. And... You know, they're kind of paired off because they're, they're these are natural pairs here. Hogan and Kidman have a blood feud. Franchise and Flair have a death feud. And so at least, you know, in the back of our minds, they are trying to sell us a pay-per-view in like four days. So I give them credit. It's a little obvious that this is the final four, but at the same time, it makes sense. Um, we get one more surprise entrance.
2: you want to tell the audience who it was? Oh. We have Brett the Hitman Hart show up with a chair
0: because
2: yeah, he wants, and he, he wants revenge on, on the Hulkster brother. And you know what? If I think about it, it's almost three separate
1: entrances. because you got Brett Hart, you've got Brett Hart's chair, and then you've got the kind of visible gut that Brett Hart has hanging over his denim there. Uh, I don't know. looks like things are getting a little rough for Mr. Clark. As all of our listeners know, he's been having a, a, a blood feud with Hulk Hogan, uh, via microphones he's been talking a lot of shit about hogan he's talking about how he you know he goes to a hockey game and he can't even watch the game in peace because everybody's telling him that hulk hogan you know stealing the spotlight so they're keeping this thing going knowing that bret hart like can't wrestle so do you feel like you're getting teased but not in like a fun way where it's like oh yeah i'm getting teased you're like getting teased by something that can never finish
2: yeah it's like this you know that this is never gonna happen it's never going to uh, get paid off. Yep. And it doesn't. And it, well, we'll see. I've been surprised so far.
1: Um, uh, you know, it's funny when the Avengers assembled in the opening segment, I thought Sid was there cause I saw curly blonde hair and I was like, Sid is still here. Cause I've been telling people that Sid's gone, but it, it was Kurt Henning. Like, don't worry. We didn't miss Sid. But the reason I bring that up specifically is I keep getting surprised. Like I keep seeing people that I think I'm not going to be seeing. So who knows? Uh, Who knows what could happen moving forward? Eventually, it ends in like, uh, you know, they throw Hogan through the middle rope. And again, he's eliminated, but he's not eliminated, eliminated, but he's eliminated. So go figure. And, you know, Russo comes in. There's nonsense with bats. And, you know, fucking Kidman's gone. And then the franchise is gone. And, hey, congratulations. It's not quite the 92 rumble. But since we're on, like, I think the anniversary of that just happened. So it's fitting that the first annual bootball gang war battle Royal is won by the nature Boy.
2: Yeah. The night.
1: I have been pretty generous to this battle Royal. And I think I've tried to take an audience on a ride where I'd made it clear that it warmed up to me. Normally at a moment like this, I would stop and I would apply a ranking to it. However, One cannot simply be told what happens after the bell rings. You have to see it for yourself. And because it is so insane, I'm going to include that in my ranking. So I'll give it at the end. At this point, we have a maybe like two and a half minutes of TV time remaining. So, and I should probably preface this with that at one point Jarrett and DDP eliminated each other with the cactus clothesline, and they've been fighting in the aisle right before the final four happened. So a couple of different Pier seven brawls break out. Savage is somewhere with Candido. Hogan and Kidman and Bischoff are over by the WCW announce table and they're, you know, doing some shit. Uh, Flair and Franchise, I believe, are fighting in the ring, right? Yeah. And they go through the table, Kidman and Hogan do. And Kidman, like, gets on top of Hogan and Bischoff pretends to count a three count, trying to sell their match. But it keeps cutting back and forth between Jarrett and DDP because they are climbing, they're climbing Thunder Vision for God's sakes, and they they're barely showing this. They're, there's all sorts of shit going on, and you get this real sense of like, oh my God, this show's falling apart before my very eyes. What's going to happen next? And Greg, I don't think
2: any fucking thing in this world <laughs> could prepare you for what happens next. <laughs> okay, so. David Arquette comes walking out, and doesn't he like trip through the, the the uh spot where they're supposed to fall? So to set the scene for the
1: uninitiated, this program was supposed to end with um David Arquette hitting Jarrett with a guitar when they're on the Thunder Vision like climbing it, okay? And he's supposed to fall through a gimmicked part of the stage. So what happens? is fucking Deputy Dewey himself, David Arquette, walks into frame carrying the guitar, and you can make out him from the head, maybe down to his nipples. I'm not saying that to be silly. Like, you could, you know, you could see, you could see the guitar he's got in his hand, and he just straight up walks
2: across the gimmick part of the stage, and it fucking collapses. He has a shock master moment. He does. He is
1: shock master 2000. Tony, that's Shockmaster 2K. Good night. I mean, it is an all time moment. I did not know about this moment going into this. This moment has been swept under the rug in wrestle shit, wrestle crap. We have to bring it to the forefront, Greg. This is an all time moment. My ranking on this gang war battle royal was initially four days until Slamboree. So I gave it four stars. Having talking about it, I gave a 47 second match five stars. I, I, that first segment is a little... I'm
2: going four and three quarters. I, I will. I, yo, I'm going five stars. This was amazing. <laughs> this was a fucking
1: massacre of the senses. This segment... And, you know, I think a lot of people have seen the, like, clip of Savage. Like, you know, because famously this is Savage's last thing. So I think a lot of people like seen the clip of, like, when he comes to the ring and gets a couple of punches in. Like, I know they show it in the recap for Slamboree in our next episode of m You Must Die. Uh, so, I mean, I feel like that moment is kind of something that if you showed it to someone, they'd be like, oh, yeah, isn't this Savage's last appearance? But the 25 minutes and 30 seconds that surround that moment should be spoken of in the history of sports entertainment. Oh, yeah. These fucking WCW Thunder shows continue to deliver with their in-front-of-the-audience shenanigans instead of the backstage shit that takes forever to talk about, which is probably why our last episode was three fucking hours long, which I had a lot of fun recording, but fans, I apologize for. I know it was a little long. But this was a banger of Thunder. I... There was some shit. I gave one match a dud or a zero. What do
2: you think, man? Like, how do you put a bow on this night? This boot ball. Well, this was a historic night with a boot ball. And like we said, never before, never again. You know what? If we ever had another boot ball, I don't think it would ever top this. I think it's his the wo- uh, most spectacular one and done night in the history of professional wrestling. Well, how does one book a
1: more devastating boot bowl? I mean, it's six to nothing, Greg. Six nothing. And then yeah. this this merciless beating at the hands of the Rick, I mean Rick Flair, the king of the the, the spokesperson of the Mainers Club is now the number one contender for David Arquette's championship if he can survive Western Union's slamboree this is one of those like when rick flair was like inducted in the hall of fame how did bootball gang war battle royal not make the leave the memories alone video like right at the end when it's like you'll never change why not show flair crying in his fucking mechanic
2: not slim fit t-shirt like you will never change oh, all bloodied up at the end as he's winning yes that ridiculous
1: moment where Vince Russo accidentally hits Shane Douglas with a bat and he flies over the top rope. You could have Flair's face in slow motion. Like, this is the moment. Like, it's the pinnacle of his career. And Nature Boy, I know you listen to this show. We're here for you, buddy. We support your history. Well, not that time you were talking to the stewardess, though, or the uh, flight attendant. That no, was really no. Up. no. That was really fucked up. You know what? I'm going to take everything I said back,
2: and maybe we should talk less about it. Yeah. No. Yeah. We're, yeah. Our names are not Tommy Dreamer. So that's right. Well, you know, I don't know. I mean, that's just
1: how Ric Flair is. It's cool. I don't know. I, I, I never miss an opportunity to tear Tommy Dreamer to shreds, but I want to I want to stay on point. Fuck you, Tommy. Um. Did you I didn't ask. I, I never make anyone do this. But if you had to apply a ranking to this show, how high are you willing to go?
2: How high am I willing to go? Hmm. I would say...
1: uh, Keep in mind, I like to have a little fun. You know, you don't have to... You could be realistic. Realistic, this is, like, not a good wrestling show. Okay, Chad hates this show. It's my goal to get Chad on this show, by the way.
2: This would have been a great
1: episode. He would
2: have hated this. Oh, yeah. It's like... Chad would take this way too seriously. You know what? You know what? I do not care. I don't care though. I don't care. I don't care. I don't watch this for the wrestling. I watch this for the pure like comedy, like MST three k style. That's what I'm here for. Absolutely. Now
1: I, I love the spectacle of this form of entertainment, like Hogan rocks, five stars, Hulk Andre's five stars. And then, you know, you've got new Japan five stars. Like I, I respect that too. And I believe that. And I, and I, feel like i could critique it accordingly i'd like to think so but this is wcw must die i went nine out of ten on the last thunder with uh, the couple of five-star matches that i gave i don't know what to do here because the one five-star match was 40 seconds but it mean instinct was Sting that had a fucking harry potter invisibility cloak man i mean yeah and i feel like i stole your thunder ha. Huh. You know, because it's Thunder. What What were you gonna give this one, my man? Okay. I'm sorry, well, I talked too much.
2: Well, this is gonna be on the uh, the Greg Diener scale of ranking. Of course. So I'm going to give this 27 Avengers portals. Wow. A man after my own heart. I'm gonna give
1: it an eight and a half because I'm not willing to commit to, and you know, I'm not willing to commit to it being better than the the last episode of Thunder we reviewed in uh, episode six. WCW must die. I think that's when Jake from Ruthless the Aggressive podcast was here. Um, That one was a banger. This is right below that. Thunder continues to be, yes, a mystery science theater type hidden gem. But after all, if you know that going in, you can watch this stuff and have fun. Let's break the stereotype of people being like, oh, you couldn't pay me to watch that stuff. Uh, uh, There's, There's stuff here to entertain yourself. You have to be willing to You have to be willing to find it, but it's there yeah, and it's I, com- comedy gold. Absolutely. I thank you so much for buying into that belief. Um, you know, you'll, you'll have to pay an annual membership to the, the church of WCW must die, but you know, you can, you can, you can stick around. We'll keep you for a little bit. We'll yeah. let you come back and talk about this some more.
2: And, and also, you know, what's so great. You can just sync this up with the Avengers portal theme at the beginning of this episode, when they're having the big confrontation with the fight outside with the limo. And you can just, you can just have a tear in your eyes. You listen to the Alan Silvestri score while the new blood in the millionaires club are fighting in the back. Please like, or,
1: or so there, I'm making a call out to anyone who listens to any of the North South podcasts, or it was a thing on TV or just anyone who maybe accidentally turned this podcast on. Cause they thought we were going to talk about like French cooking or something like that. Um, if you have YouTube talent, you can do one of two things. You can cut together a video of the New Blood and Mayners Club with portals, with the music. Or you can redo the portal scene of Avengers Endgame and just throw in Argyle from Die Hard at the end. Either way, <laughs> I'm okay with it.
2: As long as you play like um, Stevie Wonder Skeletons while, while you can like digitally CGI insert him in the limo while they're fighting while he's rocking out to the song.
1: Get ready See, to go! I- I associate Argyle more with the Run DMC Christmas song, uh, Christmas in oh, yeah. Hollis, um, which is my favorite Christmas song. Um, man. Yeah. And, and all this, man, from WCW Thunder on May 3rd, 2000. Um, Greg, thank you so much. This, is, this was a lot of fun. Um, I think we were able to open up what some consider to be a dark chapter in the history of our sport. We're showing you that that's not the case. This is a shining beacon of hope. Yes. And, hey, we're just four days away or one episode or a couple of weeks from Western Union Slamboree. Before we get to that, though, check out anything on the North-South Connection podcast feed. Uh, Leave a review. Lots of great content. I just had a new show drop uh, because I am a shameless self-promoter. Johnny C. and the Multiverse of Fabulousness, episode one just dropped on Saturday, where it's a new concept where I grab a random planet out of the pop culture multiverse and see what's going on that's different from our Earth. And our first episode investigates an Earth where WCW puts on WrestleMania six, and I build a, a WrestleMania six card using the WCW roster and concepts from that time period. It was a lot of fun for me. It was a fantastic uh, behind the connection with Graham Pothon, the History WWF uh, purveyor website. (laughs) Uh, I enjoyed that quite a bit. Uh, It it was very cool to hear how that came together. So there's a lot of shit that I'm obviously passionate about. Come back, see us anytime. Greg, it was a pleasure. I want to end this with four words that the pro wrestling community and just human beings in general should live by. And do you know what those four words are? What are those four words? Those four words are very simply, long live
2: boot ball. Yes, long live boot ball. Or, forever uniting the new blood, is that what it means? Forever, maybe that's what the FU stands for. That's right, forever unchained to the new
1: blood. Dustin Runnels was letting us know that you know, he was not a part of this shenanigans. Racknanigans shenanigans, feliner shenanigans God, that must, I love WCW. that must
2: explain why Dusty was like screw this, I'm going to ECW
1: Screw this at the E we got a lady in the men's room God, I wish Dusty Rose was on commentary. My goal is to find some sort of way to review a couple of episodes of WCW Saturday Night from the year 2000 in this show, uh Greg, will you come back and see us if I can get a hold of some Saturday night footage? Oh,
2: oh, oh if you can get some Saturday nights, that's great, because I've always heard that Jimmy Hort period is, like, gold.
1: I am working. I'm working on it. Um, I've tried to reach out to some folks that seem to always have their hands on some great footage from that era. Um, fan, we'll keep you posted, fans. Um, we got to get out of here. We're over, our welcome, and I have tried to find a cool way to end this show fucking, like, three times, but I just enjoy hearing the sound of my own voice so much. We're going to end it right there. Long live Argyle. Millionaire's Club, assemble. We're out of here. See you next time, Drew.
2: Peace.